Hi everyone, I'm Ali Payani and this is the Leading Mindset and uh, where we discuss the entrepreneurial journeys, challenges, opportunities. So this is our first episode after the pandemic or maybe during the pandemic still. And um, today we have one of my uh, most favorite people and CEOs, Chris Dyer, who's the CEO of uh, People G2, expert in uh, company culture and remote work. Hi Chris, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. Um, tell me, uh, start with People G2. How did it all start? Well, back in the day, uh, I'm sure you may remember 9-11 happened and I was working for somebody else. And I didn't like working for someone else. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to have my own business, but I fell into that thing. I think a lot of people fall into is where you have a safe job and you can get a car and you can have a mortgage. And, you know, it's like, do you want to give up that safety? I was young mm -hmm. and I thought I'll do this a little longer and then that a little longer. And I just kept working for other people and I wasn't happy. And, but I was safe, right? I didn't have to worry about, you know, could I pay my bills and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then 9-11 happened and I was, I just watched those, you know, that what happened and it immediately is like someone lifted a magic spell off of me. And I, I went, Oh, this is not what I'm going to do with my life. Life is short. So I decided, you know, I'm going to quit this job. So that was September 11th. I quit a couple of days after November 1st, I had started my company uh, and we have been going ever since. What, what would you think would be the main challenge when you just started, you know, just growing the business? Or what was those main challenges? Well, I was lucky that I had been working for someone else who in the same business that I was starting. Mm -hmm. So I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's if they're starting a new business and they're going to go into something they don't know how to do yet, that can be problematic. So you have to really make sure that you have either studied or apprenticed or um, worked for someone else. You have some basis, right? I, I, mean, I met people that are like, I think it'd be fun to run a restaurant. I'm going to go start a restaurant, but they've never worked in a restaurant. You, you, you can't do that, right? In most cases, you're going to fail. So you have to have a base of knowledge. You can't just have a desire. You can't just have a dream. You have to figure out either how can I learn it mm -hmm. by myself? How can I learn it from someone else? But have that basis and knowledge. And then the second part is how do you survive and grow and get it, you know, something done I think you and I talked about this a little bit, like you're early on in your business, right? Like just being able to put enough money in the bank account so that the bank account could stay open, right? You were just trying right. to figure it out early on. And, and that for a lot of people, it's that, how do I just survive while I'm trying to figure it out? Mm -hmm. And I think you, do you have to have a side hustle. Do you have a, a regular job and you just start your business on the side? You know, do you, maybe your spouse or your parents or just someone willing to support you right while you mm -hmm. figure it out you have to that, that's you can't just hope that you're going to start a business on november 1st and then by the end of the month you're going to have business <laughs> right. it just right you have to have enough runway to yeah. to be able to be successful and i think not understanding the business is the biggest problem for entrepreneurs the second biggest problem is having enough runway to, to give themselves time to figure it out to be successful. Right. Well, what do you think would be the best or most useful skills 
you know, like entrepreneurs should have or maybe develop mm -hmm. during those days. You know, for me was discipline or uh, can handle the pressure or just thinking uh, faster. So that might be for me. But what do you think you usually like you maybe advise others, you know, so here are the maybe the top five or most important skills you have to have yeah. or maybe become stronger in those. It does depend on what the person's doing. So you can be incredibly uh, gifted and good at developing something new. Like you could be an inventor, right? And you could be an incredible inventor and come up with some brand new thing. And it doesn't really matter if you're that good at sales or if you're that good at marketing or that, right? But if you can make something no one else can make, you have a special quality. I think for most people though, it's about being really, really determined and, mm -hmm. and being able to work harder than anybody else. Um, I, I have noticed that most of the CEOs and entrepreneurs that I um, admire, they just work their butts off, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the second part to that is that they were willing to change or willing to pivot or willing to, to realize I'm on one path and, oh, what is that? That's interesting. A client will pay for that. Well, let me start doing more of that. And they might change their company's direction a few times to be able to really figure it out. You know, exactly. I think there's a combination between being stubborn, mm -hmm. like to, to, to really work hard and be stubborn that I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but being pliable enough to say what I thought I was going to do isn't really what is going to end up being the business. All right. I'm mm -hmm. okay to, to change my mind along the way and say, yeah, maybe not, this is better. I make more money doing this instead. So hope that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, like, have your priorities changed, you know, uh, like usually like every year or every few months, maybe our priorities change, you know, or maybe some of the sacrifices we do. So what was that like for you? You know, for the first eight years of the business, it was always mm -hmm. the same. It was the same reinvention of the goal, which was if we can just get to this amount, man, we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And then as soon as you got to that amount, it was like, well, that's not enough. If we get to this amount, then everything's going to be okay. And we did that for like seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. And then it was, well, we have to reinvent the company uh, well, 2005 or so, we went, you know what? We really have to make a new investment in technology. The, the world has changed. We can't keep operating the way we were. And then the recession hit in 2008, 2009. And we said, well, we're going to have to change the way we operate the company. And that's when we went fully remote. That was mm -hmm. when I decided my priorities were no longer our profit and loss. My priorities were no longer our sales. Mm -hmm. My priority became my people. And so my goals have always been centered around my people and how I can help them be more successful. How do I create an organization that operates well, that that's, is successful and let my people be mm -hmm. the ones who worry about our sales goals and our profit and loss and our, and our customer service and all that. Like as you, so as an entrepreneur, just you or you, one other person, you have to do everything. And at some point, you have to take that hat off that I'm in customer service, I'm in tech support, I'm mm -hmm. in, and give it to someone else. And I don't mean kind of give it to them, right? 
you can only, only one person can wear a hat at a time. You never see two people wearing in real life the same hat, right? You have to give that hat all the way to the other person and let go, check in. You got to make sure they're doing the right thing, but like you have to give them that full authority. And I felt like I didn't do that for a long time. I was mm -hmm. sort of always trying to touch everyone's hats figuratively, right? I was trying to be too involved and that mm -hmm. caused them to feel like they couldn't grow, they couldn't make good decisions, they weren't empowered. So when I focused on that, then that changed everything for us, right? right. Um, and, and then, you know, you start thinking about, well, how many more people do we need next year? Right. But all my thinking is about my people now. Right. So you're a company culture expert and remote work. So my follow-up question based on your answer basically is that mostly now everyone is kind of like struggling in maybe monitoring the employees. So some people want it to be really strict or have like some tools or softwares in place to really monitor how much time everyone is spending in the company on a specific task. Uh, so what do you think companies or entrepreneurs or even managers in uh, HR should do to actually accomplish that? You know, so because you're saying like you give the full responsibility to the team members. So what do you think a company should do, especially like in the remote work? So I am adamantly against tracking people and doing anything that would be like spying on them or, or whatever. I, I feel like that is so misguided that we're... Mm -hmm. treating people like children. So instead, we need to get very, very clear about metrics and outcomes and measurements. So it, it does depend on the job, right? So if I have someone who is a customer service agent and they're getting calls and tickets coming in, yeah, I can say, I can look at their tickets. I can say, how many tickets are they able to handle per hour? Mm -hmm. How often do their tickets get good results versus bad? Those are great ways to help keep an eye on someone and be able to understand how they're doing. That's different than, you know, am I going to, am I somehow tracking whether or not they're logged onto their computer the whole time or whether or not they're like, I, I don't want to get into the big brother stuff that always mm -hmm. sends a bad message to your employees. Now you could have a manager though, that doesn't have that kind of interaction. They're not, you can't look at how many tickets are right. They're in meetings or doing different things. Then you need to change the goals to be bigger strategic things. Like for my sales manager, we set a goal on what the new business should be every quarter or every year. And are we hitting that? Are we surpassing that? Are we below that? And if something happens and we have conversations and if we can make a change, great. And if we can't, then maybe not the right person for the job, but tracking the amount of hours on the computer and how many they click and are they really sitting on that seat i find is it you think that would be good but it turns out to be really really bad sometimes i want my people to get up and go away from their computer and go take a walk and let their brain think about things right give them space and time to come up with better ideas. If you force people to just sit somewhere and only be doing that one thing, it's task oriented and it's not strategic. And I need my people to think strategically sometimes. And so I want them to have space. I want them to get up and walk around. I don't want them always like sitting in one place at one time. So mm -hmm. it, it really have to be 
trusting of our people. Um, I've only had one time since 2009 that I feel like somebody maybe wasn't being trustworthy, mm -hmm. right? I, that means hundreds of employees and thousands of independent contractors all did a great job. I never did one person. And we figured it out pretty quickly because they weren't doing what we thought they should be doing. And we got rid of them. Mm -hmm. I, everyone, I trusted everyone else. And I think that's a better way to go about it. Well, how did you create that culture in your company? Well, that's one question. And the follow-up is like how the companies should change in their culture. Mm -hmm. you know, it takes when time. Saying, when you are saying that everybody's, you have only one problem uh, since 2009. So that means, uh, you know, you have the culture and since mm -hmm. you're expert. So what, how did you create your own culture and what should other companies look for, you know, to find, to say like, Hey, here, I have a problem in my culture. So what are there maybe signs, you know, that you have to make some changes? So the, the simple, the, the kind of two simple sayings that I always like to, to repeat for people that will help them is first one is what you focus on grows. Mm -hmm. So if I focus on good outcomes and I focus on what my best employees are doing and I'm focusing on, you know, key measurements and things that are, are good, people will do more of that. Right. If I focus on the negative and I focus on, well, geez, was Sally not at her desk when I called at three o'clock? You know, and I suddenly think Sally's not work. If I focus on that as a negative, there's gonna be more of that to find. And then the second part, second saying is, um, design what you want, or deal with what you get. Mm -hmm. So you need to really think about how can I design a company, right? How do I design things to ensure that we have the right setting? And it comes down to very simple things, a lot of very simple tactical things we can do to really help our organizations. I'll give you a couple easy examples. Now, every organization is different. So what works for me might be different for you, but the point is, is that you took the time to design something. Mm -hmm. I found that communication was a struggle for us. Um, and so what I decided, we went back and experimented with everything goes in Slack. Everything internal must be in Slack. There is no more email between people in my company. Email is only for clients and vendors and outside, you know, maybe other people in the company on that email. But if it's an email between one or two or three people, whatever, inside the company, it happens in Slack. Now, why is that? That one, we, it's so much easier to find conversations, to look things up, to find files, to remember what was said, it's all there, right? If an employee leaves, we tend to delete their email, but it's still in Slack. All that information is still there, even if an employee left. Um, number three, people can stop working and not feel like they have to respond. You, know, you can put your Slack on do not disturb. So when you're done with work at five, you'll come in at eight tomorrow morning. But when you get in at eight, you know how many messages there are in each of the different rooms and you can get caught up when it makes sense for you. Whereas email, I feel like everyone's got their phone here and then they're responding to emails at nine o'clock at night when they're not and they shouldn't be. So it helped create some good barriers. Um, for us, that was a really good way to improve communication and also improve transparency because I, even though we pushed everyone to Slack, then we also said you should be contributing inside of rooms that are very specific to the topic. So let's say you have a client onboarding and we call that XYZ company. 
everyone who's helping onboard that client's in that room. So if something happens, if something needs to be talked about, it's in the room. So I can get caught up and I know what's happening. That's transparency. But if just you and I had the conversation about that client and we didn't tell anybody else on the team because we're busy, because we're lazy, because we just got distracted, now they feel like they don't know what's going on, right? And they feel disconnected. So Slack helped us create more transparency. So that's the biggest thing. How can you be more transparent with your team and with your company? Sharing more, talking about more, right? Uh, getting rid of secrets and one-on-one conversations and politics. And create an environment where people can, can learn more, find out more, and, and, and know what's going on because that's the right thing to do, Right. When that happens, there's a direct correlation between their involvement and their energy and their belief in the company, right? If they know what's going on, then they know what's going on. They don't have to guess. But if they don't know what's going on, then they get fearful. They get anxiety, have anxiety because like, well, is no one telling me anything because I'm doing a bad job? Is, you know, or or is the the business, you know, struggling? Are we going to go out of business? You know, people come up with these crazy ideas to explain what they don't know. So we want to tell people more, give them more information to help them feel good about what's happening. So don't you think that uh, in order to maybe now become successful in remote work, let's say if a company has Slack in place, you know, or they already Mm -hmm. use some of those remote work tools, but don't you think it's directly linked and related to their common culture also to become successful in remote work and what should they do now you know so to make sure that they have a right maybe uh you know like practices in place well i mean there's lots that they can do and the biggest thing is you need to make sure that you are not trying to recreate what you had in the office Mm -hmm. directly right because Working in an office is different than working 100% remote. So it's going to take a different skill set, right? It, it takes the things you need to do to be good at riding a bike are different than the things you need to be good at to ski down a mountain, let's say, right? You both, you need to be in good shape for both, but I mean, they take different skill sets and different strategies and different muscle groups and all that. It's the same thing. Yes, we need good employees. Yes, we need good communication. Yeah, all these things, there's some similarities, but how we operate remotely is different. One of the biggest things is to eliminate one-on-one meetings. Mm -hmm. We gotta get people in groups of five to seven, anyone involved in that topic about that meeting who needs to know, will need to know, might be impacted, could just learn from being there, should be on that call. And as opposed to, you know, in a traditional office, you might just bump into someone in the hallway and have a quick conversation and then bump into someone else and let them know what you talked about. That doesn't happen in remote work. We have to be more intentional. Slack helps with that, right? Create some of that bumping into the, each other by doing it inside of a room, but we have to be more intentional about our meetings. Um, the, the second part of the meetings is that we have to shorten our meetings. People tend to book a meeting for 30 minutes and magically that meeting takes 30 minutes. So they book an hour and it magically takes an hour. Mm-hmm. We want to try to get meetings for smaller amounts of time and set the goal to be done early. If I set a 15 minute meeting, can we get it done in eight minutes? Can we get it done in seven minutes? Can we be quick and efficient here? Yeah, this is cool. What happened? 
you know, if you know it's a small meeting about a small thing, we don't need to talk about our weekends and what our kids did or, you know, no, just, just talk about the, the small thing and get off. We can do it on another call, right? Where we catch up you know, with a team or things. So to kind of redesign, and that's a lot about what is in my book about how to redesign those practices, those, those procedures, those, you know, moments in a new way for remote work. Great. Uh, one of my favorite questions is to ask every entrepreneur, how do you define, <clears throat> how do you define success? You know, so that would be maybe in business, maybe in personal mm -hmm. life, but in general, what do you, what Chris Dyer thinks or how Chris Dyer defines uh, success? Yeah. Um, I, I think That's I would break that into, <laughs> it is a hard question because I'm trying to, you know, in, in which lens do I operate that or, or answer that? So what is success for me, right? Mm -hmm. Success for me personally is, um, are we meeting our goals, which is ultimately like, you know, to make a lot of money? Are we, are we being successful in, in, in making the money and, and being profitable, doing the things that I think we should be doing? That's, that, that's me personally. When I leave work, and I'm at home and I think, am I successful as a person? It, it should translate, the work I'm doing should translate into results. And results tends to be money or, or something like that. Now, if I look at it from the lens as the CEO, as the leader of the organization, I would define success in that, how well are my people mm -hmm. doing? Because the better my people do, the better the company does, and the better the company does, the better I do, right? So. I look at it really success is how many successful employees do I have around me um, that are blowing my expectations out of the water, that are always surprising me with their in incredible uh, in, you know, intuition and inventiveness and innovation. Like when, when they're doing that kind of stuff and, and they're, they're knocking on my door saying, hey, have we thought about doing this cool thing? Or, hey, did you know that this law passed and we might need to make a change? When they're coming to me, right? And I'm trying to keep up with them, I'm happy, right? Nothing's worse than feeling like you're pulling everyone along and you're the, you're the one out in front and you're trying to just get people to, to even try to think about coming along. They're pulling me, right? They're going, come on, we gotta get, we gotta hurry up. You know, you gotta be here. And that's what I want. That's that's success um, as a CEO. And then I, I think the, the third lens is, is there some way for me to give back, right? That's the, the third lens is what am I doing at my age and in my position? Am I able to help other entrepreneurs and other people who are starting businesses? Am I able to share my lessons? And, and that's why I you know, wrote the books. I mean, it's just like, how can I share what I know so someone else can benefit from it and they don't have to go through some of the things I went through, right? Can I help other people be successful faster than I, than I was because they can skip all the mistakes I made and go right to the, the correct answer the first time. Great. So you're a best-selling author as well. And uh, your book was the number one release in a HR in Amazon. So tell, tell us more about the two books you have, Company Culture and Remote Work, and how people can uh, get those books. 
Yeah. So um, the first book is The Power of Company Culture. I wrote it back in um, 2018. Mm -hmm. And that was really a, um, you know, when, I, when we decided to change the company, I really became a, I just couldn't read enough books about culture and, and, and studying other organizations and, you know, interviewing people on my podcast, you know, really fantastic leaders. And I just kept hearing the same things over and over again. You know, the same, the people who were successful were doing certain things correctly all the time. And so that's what the book is about. What are these things you need to do? It's called the seven pillars of success. What are these seven things that you need to focus on as a business? And if you do, the, the, all the research says you're going to do great, right? Mm -hmm. unless, unless you're selling, uh, you know, something terrible <laughs> or illegal, you know, you know you're going to do pretty good. Um, the, the second book is, is Remote Work, and I started writing that with my co-author, Kim Shepard, before the pandemic, because we both have fully remote organizations. We then had to change the book. You know, like I talked about before, you find these moments of a little bit of a pivot is needed. COVID happened and we went, well, we're going to have to talk about this too, because uh, this has changed the whole trajectory for companies. So um, you can find them both on Amazon, wherever you buy your books online. If you don't have Amazon in your country, um, whatever you use, it's usually there. Um, you can even contact me through my website, chrisdyer.com, uh, or even my publisher in the UK can get a book anywhere in the world, koganpage.com. And I think that people can get this signed version also on your they, website they can if they would like a signed version i'll write whatever they want on there within reason and uh yeah they can get a signed version from you good uh what are you working on now are you in uh, like people g2 and more like involved in the company culture and remote work consultation so what are you working on now yeah you know it was really interesting during the pandemic i did over a hundred trainings for companies big and small i mean some of the big ones like citibank johnson and johnson uh, the, uh, um, the, the National Health Service in the UK, IKEA, you know, to help them implement really good strategies for remote work. And then as that, as they got good and that did, did all those trainings and we created an online leadership remote course that people can take. Um, but that has lately transitioned into have a lot of companies that are finding it a little overwhelming to deal with some of the people stuff or finding a little overwhelming to deal with the remote work stuff. Uh, they're very good at their business, but this added layer of the extra stuff they need to deal with that they either can't, won't, or don't have the time or aren't very good at it. And so they've been bringing me in to come and help them a few hours a month, deal with some of that stuff at a high level. So asking me to come in and be a fractional executive for them um, to help them and help their people, you know, again, I've made, I've made all the mistakes. I know which thing works really well now. And I can tell them when they're trying to figure out what they should do, I can tell them very clearly what they should do. And that's going to be successful for them. And instead of them trying two or three things and failing and then finding the right solution and just upsetting all their people, I can help them go from A to Z very quickly. And so that's been a lot of what I've been working on lately. All right. And my last question would be uh, getting two advices, one for uh, all the C-levels and management level, you know, that they are listening to the podcast, you know, so what advice do you have for them? And then the second would be, what would you tell someone who just want to become an entrepreneur? You know, they just want to start a business. 
the advice is the same for both groups and that is you need to be reading you if you're not doing at least one you know book that is business self-help growth something where you're going to learn about how to improve yourself or your business if you're not doing at least one book a month you are radically behind your everyone else who's an entrepreneur and ceo um, uh, the best of the best are reading three and four books a month, uh, but I think a really good goal is if you can just get one book in a month, make that commitment, join a book club. I have a book club. If you want to join it, you know, you get one in a month, um, listen to an audible, read it, whatever your best way to digest it is. You learn so much. And if you can be in a group of people, right? Be in a book club, read a book with your team, your, your, your employees or whatever or your friends or you know but and, and talk about it talk about what it means to you and, and find something in every book i read i find something i can do better i find some solution to a problem i didn't know existed and i'm able to really i really feel like i have evolved as a leader right i really started doing this back in 2008 and so here for what 12 13 years you know, I've been doing at least 12 books a year. That's that's a lot of books, right? There's a lot of knowledge in there that I would have otherwise never learned. So if you wanna be a great boss, if you wanna be a great entrepreneur, if you wanna be relevant uh, in your life and your business, you gotta be reading slash listening. I, 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 don't, I don't think just doing podcasts or just doing YouTube videos or just, I don't think it cuts it. I think you need, it, it's important to get one book in a month because it goes really, really deep into a particular topic. Podcasts are fantastic. It gets you exposed to new ideas and new people. But if you, you want to learn deeply, you got to go into that topic, I think, through a book. And um, it, it has been, for me, a, a really big key to my success to be always learning something new, always trying to challenge my beliefs, challenge what I think I know, and, and be better for it. Great. So we're going to have all the links, you know, to your book club, everything in the descriptions. So if anyone watching on YouTube, you can sit on the description or Apple or Spotify. So all those links are there. Uh, what would you say with the easiest way people or any listener wants to contact you for remote work or get advice yeah. on the culture? Um, LinkedIn is always easy if they want to go there. Um, they can also go to chrisdyer.com. You can contact me through there and all my links to all my different social platforms are there. Um, I'm pretty much everywhere, a little bit like COVID was a few months ago. So it's pretty easy to find me if you just do a little search. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a really great talk. I really enjoyed, I always enjoy uh, talking to you. And thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.